for what we do, that's not appropriate, and I don't cultivate that. And so what happens is you have the right staff, you have the right class structure, and then eventually start to build the right client base. Everybody is happy, right? So don't just say or have a goal of having a great community. Create mm -hmm. one. Hello, and welcome to Survival, where we chat with gym owners about their stories in entrepreneurship and how they've been able to survive and adapt during the coronavirus pandemic. My name's Alex, and I'm your host, and this is sponsored by Imbue. Yeah, so, well, well, actually, maybe even if we could go even a step further back, what was your first interest in fitness in general? Like your first interest in all yeah. anything fitness? Yeah, so uh, from, from my perspective, um, back when I first started taking a martial art called Tong Sudo, this is back in the 80s. What is that? Um, I honestly don't even know what that so, is. So Tong Sudo is Chuck Norris's martial art, so that's the best oh. way to describe it. No, that, that version of martial arts. Um, it's a Korean style. Anyway, so my instructor, excuse me, my instructor, he, uh, he would really emphasize the conditioning aspect of classes. And um, we would have these burners, these crazy long crunch and kick combos up and down, back and forth for an hour, and we'd just be drenched in sweat. And um, at the time, I just thought it was hard. And then later on, when I started uh, being more active in gyms, because you know we're talking the ages of 15 versus then later in my early 20s and whatnot, mid-20s, and um, I saw some some guy teaching a boxing fitness class at the gym. And I, I took it, and it was fun. And I said, ah, you know, I could do something like that, I think. You know, kind of taking the aspects I know from martial arts and making it into a workout. And I thought it could be fun, right? And this is a time when Taibo was around and stuff. And um, I think a lot of martial artists kind of, I guess, give it a bit of a smirk because it's, you know, it's pseudo martial arts. It's very kind of dancey style. But... I thought, you know, you could do something a little more authentic and still be a good workout, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that got me into the fitness aspect as it brought together martial arts. Now, fitness in general, I think a lot of us, just as we start, get, start to get a little bit older from teenagers to want to actually ever go to the gym, I want to do those things. Um, I've always liked martial arts. I've always done that. And fitness has actually helped to support my ability to do martial arts. Right, because you can't just do martial arts because your body will fall apart. You need to do things that will strengthen your body. You'll learn, you know, things outside of the realm of the dojo that will give you a longer um, lasting martial arts kind of experience as well as um, better at it. So like longe longevity of it, right? Yeah. Totally. Awesome. So that's your background in, in to get into fitness in general, right? And so, yeah, yeah. And so, so what I'll, I guess I'll add to that is how segue to me actually teaching it. So, um, the, the gym where I was taking the boxing classes, they had an opening for a cardio kickboxing class. And, you know, I thought might be fun Friday nights, small class, play around with it. And so I started doing that kind of creating it my own, my own kind of thing. Um, and that eventually led into successes, popular classes, more classes, and then we'll eventually get to the part where I met Tammy um, doing uh, doing my classes. And maybe it's going to, I'll keep talking, and then you can get to Tammy when Tammy met me, because it'd be the most appropriate part of her kind of adding to that story. So um, the whole time, 
I was had my regular career, right? Which is uh, I'm a video game designer. No way, uh, super yeah, cool. Yeah, I've done that for 26 years now. And uh, I would just use it on the side for fun, fitness, you know, all that stuff. And um, and I kept getting more and more opportunities to teach, and I didn't want to say no. And my craft is kind of improving. My classes are getting bigger. And um, and then at one point I was at uh, Crunch in San Mateo, and um, things were buzzing along pretty darn well there. And uh, I had a pretty core group of people there for, geez, probably a good six years or something. I think we were there. And that's when I met Tammy. And uh, she took my classes for quite a while. I think it was two years? About um, three. And then we can now talk to Tammy because we should. And then I can tell you how that transitioned into me starting Impact, which then eventually brought us back together where Tammy and I founded uh, Impact as a, an official entity. Wow. Super right, cool. Tammy? Tammy, take it away. So uh, I joined a gym because I didn't know how else. I just had my second child. And I tried doing the weightlifting with a trainer, and I tried all these different classes. And Eric's class was the only class that I really liked. It's not um, – it was challenging, but one of the reasons why I really liked the class is because it was only challenging for me. Like, you're not there to try to be better than the other people in the class. Everyone was trying to help each other out, which was kind of the vibe that I really liked. A lot of uh, other studios and a lot of gyms, uh, a lot of the folks get a lot of, uh, I get benefit from competing. But uh, it's a very different process when you're competing with yourself. Mm-hmm. And with kickboxing classes, uh, especially Eric's form of kickboxing, we are competing with ourselves to get better, not necessarily look better than other people. And I really liked his class because he wouldn't, um, the people that took his class were all of the same idea, you know, uh, helping each other out. So if I couldn't figure out how to do a move, you know, not only did Eric help and try to teach the form, which is rare, you usually just kick. You know, he mentioned Taibo, and we tried Taibo. I tried Taibo like in the 90s. And you were trying to follow along, but it was a tape, so you couldn't ask questions. You couldn't sit there and be like, what am I doing wrong? Because this doesn't feel right. Mm. And you can literally hurt yourself. So the nice part of, of the class was I got to meet a very nice core of group of people that really was very encouraging. And that was very, that was, and we're still friends to this day. A, a lot of us still talk, even if those of us have moved away or, or moved on because, you know, fitness, everybody does it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really got uh, a lot out of the classes. And then Eric added not just the cardio piece, but he allowed us to bring in boxing gloves and he would literally, uh, literally do uh, what we call sparring with some of the more advanced uh, students to get even more of a cardio workout, which isn't great for him physically because we're literally feeding on him. <laughs> but a lot of the a lot of us really liked it, and I would say that uh, he encouraged a lot of us non uh, martial arts people, you know, to really try this workout and to do it properly, which a lot of other folks don't really focus on. When that that's the and I, and I lost a lot of fat and I gained a lot of muscle and. The number one thing, my mother, who uh, I guess, you know, we were FaceTiming at the time, and she saw me from the back, and she said, 
what are you doing? And I said, oh, I've been doing this class. And she goes, well, whatever you've been doing, keep doing it. I can see the difference. She used to thought. So anyway, that's that's the genesis. And and I was also happier, you know, mentally speaking, um, having two kids and staying home was mentally really difficult. And having the workout was just my family saw that I was a happier person. Totally, so. totally. I think uh, there's you know there's proof in the pudding with exercise and, and showing that it actually releases endorphins in the brain. But kickboxing is probably one of the best workouts you could do. Like I was a, I was a, uh, I ran track in college. Uh, I was a Division one athlete, and um, like you think that is tough, but then you go into you go into like boxing or even like kickboxing, and it's like a whole another type of cardio. Like it's crazy. So yeah, that's that's pretty cool. So then, yeah. So you guys, so you guys met at the at the class. What was it? So what, what was it like from there to starting your own gym? What was that synergy like? Like, did you guys become good friends and then it kind of evolved naturally, or how? Well, take us on that journey. Yeah. So um, you know, Tammy also, by the way, spoke to a lot of the points of why I enjoy teaching these these classes. Mm-hmm. Is and this combines with a lot of stuff you just said, um, and the benefits of martial arts with things like building confidence and, um, you know, getting out your aggressions and learning discipline and learning respect and all these things combined with the aspects of fitness um, that you get. But anyway, um, one of my friends at at Electronic Arts, she had a uh, dojo she went to that had a bunch of heavy bags and a Taekwondo uh, master there who wanted to start a cardio kickboxing class or a kickboxing workout class there, kickboxing card, uh, conditioning. And, uh, but he had no idea how to do it because he was super old school. And so I thought it was a great opportunity. And so I spoke with him and said, hey, you know what? Um, here's a format I want to run. Here's a pricing I think would be fair. Let's split a 50-50 if you just want to do that. And essentially that become my, became my beta, right? Now, um, it was great because now I could expand beyond the punching kick, punch kick in air or hitting mitts, uh, and the mitts was really mostly me holding mitts anyway. So um, I got to expand it to bags, which made a much more popular class. And um, and the turning point was, aside from, you know, it just had some success. A lot of my people who knew me took it, but then they'd be friends, uh, was Groupon. So when Groupon started really taking off, and I'm not sure how old you are, how group, uh, you remember Groupon, cool. but that when it first started, you would have, I think, like maybe 48 hours or something, maybe 72 hours to buy up those tickets for you know the various super deals, right? And so what that creates this crush, this run on, you know, they would keep spamming you, saying you have you know 12 hours left, and there's you know 500 people signed up, or whatever, right? And so um, the first or second campaign I ran uh, was some crazy amount of people, like it was like 1,500 people bought packages of 20. Oh my gosh. And, yeah. And um, I won't say it was scary because I was anticipating that, right? But uh, essentially, that meant I had a bunch of new people that never knew who I was. They came to Impact, and it was pretty much free. So, no marketing on my side, right? Groupon did all the work. And uh, then classes got much bigger. Many people stayed. Uh, there was a lot of hiccups to so talk about the, the hiccups along the way. Was one day I had 102 people come, and we had, I think, maybe. 37 bags or something and so it was like a three-ring circus and I literally was standing up on um, a block 
and saying, okay, you guys are doing this on the bags, you guys are doing the shadow boxing over here, and you guys are doing this condition drills over here. And oh I would switch them. I was like, uh, but it worked. It worked. You know, it, it, it's like anything. You practice it. You see the little, you know, nuance to say this one thing and make a huge difference in the efficiency of movement and, and all these things and everyone's doing it. So it worked. And um, we were there. I'm going to try and truncate some of my stories. You can just ask questions. No, I, I want you to, if you could, go into more detail about how you got 1,500 people to buy that package. Because like, I think sure. that would be, be a value for other people, right? Like, I'm not sure like, what you did for it. Sure. Yeah. I, absolutely. Then I'm happy to elaborate. So yeah. um, I think there's a couple bits. So um, Yelp was also kind of starting to hit a stripe also at about that time. Yeah. So um, we, Tammy knows this too because we've been, you know, on Yelp like everybody who stays in business for a long time. Um, we had a ton of five-star reviews. Very sincere five-star reviews. Not like, I like it. It's great. Thumbs up. It's, it's you understand why it's good. And so I think that would attract more people who would then come in, draw more Yelp reviews. Also, Groupon also had their own reviews even back then. Mm-hmm. That's how people could see from the previous campaign all these people that had great experience. And so, um, essentially, my point is be a really good business. Try and engage your uh, members to help you if they enjoy you. If not, ask them how you can be better. And, um, and that right there can really help a lot with your reputation. Um, I think that Tammy and I are completely in um, synchronization in that we believe our gym needs to be a really positive place to be. It needs to be something that you walk in the door, you're happy to see people at the front desk, you're happy to see the members, you have a great workout with the instructor, you say goodbye, you leave feeling great, and then you get all the benefits of going to a kickboxing class. And so uh, I saw, um, I guess this kind of segues a little bit into how we're different mm-hmm. and why we're still around. So um, having been doing martial arts, now it's been 40 years, and I have been to many gyms and many kickboxing gyms, and very easily and very often there's a pecking order, there's the alpha males, there's the mean girls, uh, and all those things are not conducive to the, the vast majority of people that are going to come into those places to work out, right? Like, yeah, you might want to. I want to be tough. I want to go up against the toughest guys and learn how to be good. Most people would just leave the first day, right? And, and it, it, to be honest, uh, if I could swear, that's a shitty experience. You shouldn't do that. Um, and so um, all these things I thought, and then I looked further into the workout aspect of it, which was uh, there's – competitor nearby that they've been successful for many years. Um, we still have more and better reviews than them, even though they've been around longer. Uh, but they're also very highly regarded. They're doing great. Um, but I saw taking their classes was that they would share bags. And I was like, that's not fun. If I'm paying good money, I don't want to have to share bags, especially if I'm doing all these really cool moves. It's different if you're just boxing, I suppose. But you don't want to share bags. So we have 56 bags in our gym. That was one of the first things. And this fast forwards a little bit, but we made sure we had a lot of, of bags. Um, and all the other aspects of it, from point A to point B, making it a fun, dynamic class. Not just like, here's some moves to shuffle off to an instructor. It's, it's everything cool. You're bringing back this in the first day, and you're learning these cool combos that make you feel like a badass. And um, a lot of gyms also won't do that. Partially because they're traditional, partially because I don't know if they have the acumen to kind of go beyond the core of stuff. Um, 
And I also try and combine all my knowledge as a game designer with kickboxing. So you pick up a controller, you hit a button, what happens? Oh, that was cool. You go a little longer and you go, oh, well, that's a surprise. You go, and so same thing at the gym. The first time, if you're Joe Blow off the street and you've never punched a bag, and you're doing a spinning back fist for the first time in your life in that first class, and you felt momentum of turning your body and then bam, hitting that bag, wow, that's cool. And so giving them those surprises, empowering them, and then as they get good at the controls, which is their moves, they feel even more in a groove and they want to come back, right? Totally. Um, so uh, again, uh, huge can from what I was talking about earlier, because I'm still, in my story, I'm still in the beta version at that dojo, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think that's why we had enough success uh, that, uh, to speak about Tim and my relationship, she stayed along the whole time. And this is a good time to, I want to say way back to her, because there would be no impact if it wasn't for Tim. And so it's very important that you also talk to her. But that there was a point where I had a falling out with that dojo uh, master. Um, I will only say that I'm a thousand percent in the right about the situation that happened, but ultimately it was a benefit because I graduated from the beta to started real gym because at that point I left, right? Now, um, the reason I'm struggling with that is because that's when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. I didn't have capital. It was uh, it wasn't much long after the um, the crash of the commons was trying to build up. I didn't have a lot of capital to start a gym once I had my regular job, right? And so um, that was when I think we're at a Starbucks, but Tammy approached me with uh, a basic idea. Maybe it was a Starbucks it was a while ago. Uh, but Tammy, once you tell me about how you approached me about how we then became business partners. Um, well, from my recollection, it was more of a accidental fusion of ideas. Um, so what had happened was, from our perspective, a lot of us were really, we really enjoyed uh, working out on the bags, and we were very worried when uh, basically we weren't allowed to take any more classes with the bags because mm -hmm. of all these issues that were beyond my control. And so I went up to Eric somewhere, I don't know where, and I said, how can I help? And from there, we started figuring out, well, we'll need some money. We'll need to see if there are other people who feel the same way, you know. Um, and I'd say that if it wasn't for my husband, we probably wouldn't be here because I had to have that support as well. Um, we looked at, so, so my background is, I come from a business background. Uh, from New York um, and just did a bunch of analysis, a bunch of numbers, not actually in the fitness industry. I'm actually from a financial, uh, I used to work at Citibank, I used to work at Wells Fargo nice. <laughs> and uh, also did some dot-com stuff. So, but I was a business analyst. So I started analyzing all these numbers and basically we put together a package and fast forward uh, looking for angel investors. Um, and I would say, if you want to get into the technical uh, business jargon, we were looking for friends and family. You know, that's the first tranche anyway. And from there, we were able to get a couple of silent partners that we're still, you know, very good friends with and they support us. And also folks that are uh, creditors to the company. So we have a bunch of partners as well as folks that believe in our business and 
basically invested in our business. Um, and from there, we have started, we started in December of 2012. Mm -hmm. And uh, the synergies was because people really wanted uh, more than a few options for boxing gyms, kickboxing being our primary mode of business. But they also, exactly what Eric said, were looking for a place to work out with not a lot of egos and not a ring, so to speak. So if I could say not combat specific, you know, at, this, at that time there was a lot of, you know, UFC wrestling and uh, people talked about that or boxing. Mm -hmm. and, and while our, a lot of our members do enjoy that, that wasn't our prim primary focus. Um, our focus was get a great workout, learn about boxing, learn about kickboxing, do it properly so you don't get injured, but also have fun. And that was the primary. And that really spoke to a lot of people um, because the, the having fun part, I think, is, is very important. But also the community, building that community of when you walk into our studio, we are smiling. We are not basically trying to be, for lack of a better term, uh, intimidating. Uh, and I will tell you that the prospect of kickboxing, and I learned a lot, um, a lot of people are really intimidated, not because we're intimidating per se, but because the concept is intimidating. So I, had, I literally remember one client who came in, and she was standing outside the door and literally shaking, like so, so frightened of the prospect of coming in, and she had purchased a, a, a trial, and she was trying to walk in the door. I literally had to hold her hand and show her, you know, that you know, the gym is not, you know, we're not going to hurt you, that, that there's not going to be anybody yelling at you, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, because, not because we came with that, you know, like I said, we, we have a very uh, positive review. Um, so people are looking at us and they had that expectation. But again, people have built such a concept in their minds about what kickboxing was about that she literally had talked herself um, into this very scared modus when she came in and thankfully she uh, saw that we were not frightening and then she was able to enjoy class but it was interesting to see that was probably the most extreme client we've seen most people walk in and they are a little apprehensive but after the first 10 minutes they're like okay you know the other thing and we joke about this a lot but Eric is also a part-time comedian he likes to joke <laughs> a lot uh, while we're working out to kind of get us to breathe, to not take ourselves so seriously, to do our best, but not get down if we can't, you know, do everything or we need to take a break because this particular drill that he has us working on is really difficult. And that's very different from some of the other gyms too. Um, we're not yelling at them. We're kind of yelling with them in terms of bringing up the energy and encouraging people. Again, it's a very positive experience. At, at least for me it is. And um, I would say that a lot of people were very surprised and happily so because they always come back to us later and said, you know, that was a really good workout and I didn't think that it would be or I thought it would be more of a us yelling at, you know, more intimidation and, and that kind of thing. So, um, but we grew from there. We started and we started, you know, small and then we started adding classes um, we actually started with 40 bags and we added more as things got more positive. 
Um, and then we added uh, an additional uh, side uh, business, which is the aerial arts. Um, so I don't, you probably heard of some of this, mm. aerial silks. Um, it's a Cirque du Soleil uh, concept where folks can work out climbing and doing tricks, if you will, and conditioning exercises on fabric. Okay. Um, so that's and in, my, and in my class practices jump kicks to knock them off the fabric. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. Yeah. Again, love joking about it, but that also really <laughs> helped promote our studio as being a very niche studio where we do kickboxing as well as something called aerial silks, which um, came in in the summer, I would say, or fall of 2013, okay. and really grew into a program uh, in 2014. Um, it was an experiment, to be sure. It was brought to us by some folks from Stanford, and uh, thankfully, we had some really awesome people working the program. And so you have folks, and, and it was interesting. We had folks doing both. We had folks doing kickboxing as a cardio thing and then the aerial as a strength and conditioning thing and so that's where we are right now i don't know if i tangent it off but no that was uh, awesome um so a, a couple of things i kind of want to dive deeper into into your business one of the one of the things I, i'd be interested in hearing more about is is the the early days of fundraising that's because that's super hard for a lot of businesses so I'm, i'd be curious if you to take it through what were some of the struggles that you went through there um, and then, how do you think about the design of your gym? Like you're talking, I remember you were talking about you went with 40 bags. What was the what was the thought process behind that? And then, and then, how did you? What was the thought process behind transitioning into or the side business of the silks? And how did that come about? Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, because that was a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we had put together a a document, a package, mm -hmm. uh, and we. Sh farmed it out to a group of people that had expressed interest. So Eric has a, a group of followers, and he still does to this day. And we just farmed it out, and he had reached out to a few people um, and to see who had interest, and then we met with everyone. Mm -hmm. And I will say, honestly, that we probably could be funded, could have been funded better. I We started... Um, probably a little underfunded mm -hmm. but i think a lot of gyms do have that problem again um but we were able to kind of shore up some of that after we got started so mm -hmm. it was more of a we got the minimum of what we needed in order to start and then from there started building um and we've always actually talked about um either getting additional funding. We've, we've actually never had to do a second round, yeah. although most businesses at some point sh would do that. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say that probably post-COVID, I would think that at some point we probably have to do that. But, um, but right now, uh, in the beginning, we really took our, we really had to do with, we, we did a lot with less. So the, the design of the studio was focused on that. And then over time, we built and added to it. So we started very simply, and we started with, you know, as best as we could uh, as far as materials and the layout of the gym. The layout of the gym, actually, I, would, I have to give 
credit to Eric because, again, it was one of those things where until you see it, you just didn't know what it was going to look like. And it looks great. If you go onto our website, Alex, you'll probably see photos of the way it lays out. And uh, it really was great because it gave the studio, we have a 4,800 square feet studio, um, and the studio itself, so one, one section of the gym is all bags, and then you have an open area, which allowed us to have uh, partnering drills and people to work out uh, as in groups. Mm -hmm. So kind of like to what Eric spoke about, when we do have a lot of people, um, one of the things that we try to minimize is to be able to serve people even if we were oversubscribed for a class. So you have 56 bags, and sometimes we will ask people to share, but that's like the last thing. So what Eric and a lot of his instructors do is basically split the car class apart so that half the class will be on bags and half the class will be doing groundwork or you know things on the open, open floor. Um, so the design was really thought out well, such that since we had 12 racks originally of four bags, so that's 48. And then we added two more, uh, or four more, whichever comes up to 56. <laughs> um, so that so that we started again, I believe with 12, you can correct me if I'm wrong, and then we added as as things got better and better. Yeah. Um, so, and I'm trying to remember, right, so it's it was four bags to a rack. Mm -hmm. That's, that's how it worked. And then actually, and I'll speak to this, with this pandemic right now, it works really well because we're able to offer a smaller class, but with one person to each rack, and then because we had four bags, we're able to rotate bags um, so that everyone's really safe. So again, the design of the, of the studio itself was really thought out well, and that, that's all Eric. I can add on to some stuff that Tammy uh, was speaking to because now I also understand more of your podcast as it's hopefully informational for people possibly starting gyms or in the midst of starting gyms. Totally. So um, there's certainly people who know people who would have some guy that would just write a big check, right? Um, but if you're like most people, uh, you want to have people that will believe in you and then, yeah, also have a little bit of cash. And so, luckily, because of the fact that uh, Impact as a beta had been around for about a year and a half, maybe almost two years, plus I've been teaching the class in the gyms before that for 15 years or something, um, I had people who knew me and believed in me. And so, the sale was not that hard. Combined with working with Tammy, and this is one of the, to me, probably the number one tip I would give gym owners, is that it's not about how good you are, it's about how how smart you are with your business plan, how realistic you are with your business plan. Because if you spend all this money and then you have to pay that back and then you have to make a certain amount of money every month to pay your bills and you're not making that money, suddenly you're closing down in a year or two, right? So we looked at how many members do we need, what do we need to charge them, how much does it cost us to you know, run the gym every month. All that stuff was laid out, which also allowed us to share that with our investors so they go, okay, yeah, this looks quite reasonable, right? Mm -hmm. And then um, also, as Tammy said, that uh, we scale up um, appropriately. Now, again, if you're lucky to have a bunch of money, just scale up right away if you, if you don't have to worry about it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but if you 
are again are like a lot of people that you have to kind of scrape and, and be a bit of an underdog and you build up as you have successes and so that's what we did um, and, uh, and so I have other stuff to say but I just want to tie into that part which I think the business planning um, and with um, kind of how we grew uh, the gym part um, but I'll let go back to Tammy because I believe there's a couple other questions for you to answer um, one was about getting Ariel started, what, what the impetus was for that, I think. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's another one I might have missed. No, that's the that's, that's only one she hasn't answered yet. And then I have a question for you, Eric, as well, about the game design. that You talked okay. about translating, translating the game design over to the, yeah. to the studio. So. so for the Ariel piece, um, that was, again, it was, in my opinion, quite fortuitous and very coincidental. We had started, we brought the program with two instructors to test and see if there was interest. And there was a lot of interest. We started with with uh, two silks, and you would share between like, say, two, three people per class. And you would have to learn how to do basics before you can get to do more, what we call more advanced moves. Um, so initially, that was the beginning. We started with like one or two classes. And the genesis of the reason why was because we had uh, traditionally, as you know, a lot of uh, the gyms either have really early morning classes, maybe uh, after, you know noon class, and then you know five, you know four thirty, five thirty, six o'clock classes. Is six thirty being the most popular? Six seven thirty, and um, so we had a lot of time that the studio was not being used. Literally, um, I would say that having having an additional uh, side business or now a primary business so kickboxing and aerial kind of together it brought an additional revenue stream that we really you know that was very positive for us um, literally as well as bringing in people that literally had some synergies to do both again uh, one is very cardio specific so the uh, kickboxing what Eric uh, you know, the classes that Eric leads and teaches, more cardio than not. You know, you're kicking into a bag, you're still going to have some strength building, but the aerial piece, that's all strength training with very little cardio. So it's kind of like a, a, a balance. And we, again, it was one of those things where we just wanted to see if there was interest and to also fill up the time when the studio was not being in use. Because not everybody's, you're not going to kickbox all day long, you're going to kickbox three certain times of the day as a workout. So again, the aerial filled in during the times when folks were done with the kickboxing. And it worked out really well. We also primarily focused, when we first started, um, the, the gym is uh, basically for all levels, including kids. So we didn't have a separate class for kids. We had a, a class and folks can bring their kids. Again, um, and that was for a number of reasons. One, we didn't really have that in place yet, and we still haven't. It's still something that we're kind of wrestling with. But the aerial allowed us to bring in kids, uh, you know, anyone who wanted to do this because it was a one-on-one, -on -one, private, or group setting. You could do um, private classes. You could do group classes. You could do one-on-one. -on -one, you could do like small group classes. So we were able to have that opportunity to have an additional revenue stream from different uh, different uh, demographics, if you will. So again, 
the kids, the young adults, and then the adults. So we wanted to basically have uh, have a way to, you know, sorry, it's very financial speak, diversify our revenue streams so that, uh, you know, we'll be able to kind of uh, basically work a good revenue model. So having all your eggs in one basket, not it's great, in, especially in an economic downturn. You want to have, you know, different baskets for different eggs uh, so that uh, if anything does happen, you you have a nice balance and not kind of uh, rely on your revenue stream on one thing. So that, that's the that's primary reason. Plus, uh, again, it worked really well. The crew, uh, w again, worked really well in terms of the people that all worked together, the instructors for both the kickboxing and the aerial side all get along really well, though they don't see each other very often. So. <laughs> nice. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of... Um synergy uh, attitude-wise and, and client-wise with those two groups. And that that's, was one of the reasons why I was two thumbs up as soon as I heard, you know, she wanted to start this. Yeah. Um, and so I can speak to some other things, um, and I will speak to the part about the game design aspect, right? Mm -hmm. um, this does kind of segue into that. But um, also is, uh, I would say, my number two tip, aside from having this smart business model, is find out, you know, identify your strengths and make the absolute most out of them, right? Um, because not everyone is a game designer, so I have the same kind of mindset. And so what I mean by that is, for example, and I, I talked about earlier about the analogy of picking up the controller and the first time you hit it, what happens, and then these kind of surprise moments. Um, but also um, looking at it from a standpoint of um, how does that relate to adding things to your gym or doing things in your gym that will make it better? So, for example, most kickboxing gyms, you have one instructor, and you're lucky if he looks at you during the whole class, right? So in our, in our play, which, which relates to video game design in that I'm confused. How do I do these moves? How do I open that door or whatever, right? So where do you tutorialize it? How do you help them in a way that's pleasant and flows nicely? So what we did was... Simply, we hired assistants, and so we had we have assistants had because COVID we're smart at the moment, mm -hmm. but we had assistants in a lot of our key classes. And so, if you're brand new, you had someone who stayed with you for like the first 20 minutes of class, showed you all the moves, and then walked over to the bags with you and help you out if you need any help. And that was huge, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then um, going back to the part about what are your strengths. So um, when you do things like game design. For a long time, you you, you exercise those creative muscles. You're more, you're more quickly can come up with ideas for things, right? And so that allowed me to find ways. How can I create a cool kickboxing combo that will also be something that a new person or a fairly new person can do, but also be exciting for someone who is more advanced? And then mix it up all the time, all these new stuff, as well as mitt, mitt work and, and um, kick battle work and all that stuff, and um, that. I think combination of doing martial arts for a long time and being able to create things in my head, always changing and evolving. If you took my classes six years ago versus now, you go, whoa, this is a lot different, but I really like it because I always trying to change it up and add stuff, and that's that creative part. If your strength is something else, just focus on that. Make sure that exists. Um, and I, I want to go in a bit of a soapbox to continue those other parts because I think they might be useful for your audience, mm -hmm. which is um, 
uh, having people who um, say, we have a great community, everybody's cool here. They all say that, right? Now, what you need to do is you need to hire the right people. You need to have a structure that, that forces that kind of mentality and cultivate that. So um, I'm very picky about who I make instructors. And uh, we have, and I will say hands down, the best group of instructors in the Bay Area for this type of thing. Mostly because they're selfless, completely supportive, and talented people. And so they're not people that will talk about themselves or badmouth something or do anything that's just kind of negative. Um, they're all big cheerleaders and they're all really cool. And what happens is when you don't also have sparring, by the way, we do have a sparring class, but it's especially low, uh, kind of time slot, pay class, so it's just a small group of people that all want to do that. And so it's very, it's very friendly in that case, right? But everybody else, you come in, you see, wow, everybody's just hitting bags and having fun and helping each other because no one's competing. Mm -hmm. um, I've had many times when, you know, um, knucklehead A, B, or C would walk in and he'd you know, be wearing his, um, you know, UFC shirt and just pounding the bag and, and everyone around him's like, cool. He probably wanted people to be a little bit afraid of him or overly impressed by him. And when that person doesn't get either the over um, praising or the fear, they realize it's not really their place and they leave. So what happens is more new people come in that are, enjoy this atmosphere. And so then everybody's like that. Everybody's cool, right? Mm -hmm. And the UFC shirt guy is probably UFC gym or another gym, and that's great. Just not the best fit for us, right? Um, and I'm not really, I don't want to say a bad mouth, I just call him a knucklehead, right? But for what we do, that's not appropriate, and I don't cultivate that. And so what happens is you have the right staff, you have the right class structure, and then eventually start to build the right client base. Everybody's happy, right? So don't just say or have a goal of having a great community. Create yeah. one yeah. and cultivate, right? Um, I'll let you ask any other questions. But I, I had more stuff on. No, keep going. To, keep going. Keep going? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so uh, how the really other, other decisions we made. So um, I think uh, – also, you want to never, and I think most people do this, don't think like you have it down. This is the way we're going to do marketing. This is the way we're going to do this because things change constantly. Groupon was huge for us the first several years. Groupon obviously had a big crash, right? And so, mm -hmm. um, and then how do we work in people like ClassFast to a way that won't destroy our business? Because as you know from your business, that there's downside for a lot of gyms or other activities. And so we have to always be smart about how we do that. How do we upsell people from ClassPass to join our gym? How do we um, get the most of our marketing dollar based on what the environment is at the moment? How can we utilize our members? How do we utilize social media, all that stuff, right? Always find find ways to be better. And um, and then Tammy spoke to the one part that is probably, I don't say it saved our butt, but it probably helps immensely is the fact that do have this the aerial arts because that, that big chunk of money that is a profit just like impact is a, uh, kickboxing a profit that can, can combine and allows us to survive in times like now with COVID right so diversifying and we could do more and Tammy and I've been talking about that we want to do more to diversify but that's important awesome so that was that was a great journey to where you guys are now I mean that was super in-depth and I'm very grateful you guys were willing to share that with us um, so Anything else you guys want to, you know, 
tag on about from your journey from actually starting the gym to you know basically March of this year before we get into you know the COVID and how you guys have been able to adapt? I think for me, I think this speaks well for folks who are thinking about delving into this is, mm-hmm. you know, um, to be really humble and to really admit um, that I don't know everything. Um, there were things that Eric and I have gone through together, realizing we both need to be uh, more open to change. Um, and I think he, <laughs> I think he knows what I'm talking about. In which ways? Uh, In which ways, if you don't mind sharing? Um, so for me, a good example is I'm not a big fan of people that come in and try to market to me of their services to help me do things that I'm already doing. So for example, advertising, I'm not, and, and Eric knows this too, I'm not a big fan of Groupon because while we did get a lot of people initially, we also got a lot of people that were looking for deals, which is problematic. Totally. And so it was really hard to get folks, kind of like to Eric's point, to to uh, invest their uh, time and money with us, not understanding and not realizing how, what it takes to build a business. So while Groupon was great to get our names out, it was really hard from a from a business perspective, as as someone who's on the business side, to market uh, to them after the fact. Um, so, but there are, are other marketing avenues that I also wasn't open to at the time, which I am currently open to now because, um, it wasn't really because those things didn't work. It was trying to find the right way to do it and to feel comfortable. Um, and that's on me. So, um, but I think one of the great things about Eric and I working together is the ability for us to sit down talk about things that are difficult to talk about, meet each other halfway, which is really what you need to do in a partnership. And both kind of take responsibility for for both, you know, yes, you know, I should have gone this way or no, we should have gone that way. Let's not blame anybody. Let's just move forward. And I think we do that really well. Um, You know, it takes a lot of put my emotions aside and not, not get heard, you know, hurt, you know, it's not a pride thing. It's really how can we best take care of one another and still move forward and do the best for the business. Um, and again, it's really dialoguing. It's really the ability to sit down with your business partners and be completely honest, but in a caring way. You know, not uh, you know we're, we're talking about 2020. You know, every everyone's talking about the elections and and what's good and bad. What are, what are the things that I think it is missing uh, today? is what Eric and I do constantly, which is checking in on each other and making sure that we're good or that we're kind of moving in the right direction or if something's not right, how can we work it? Um, And Eric, you can speak more to it, but I think for me, that was the hardest thing is to really sit back, listen, really kind of put my pride aside and say, you know what, you're right, we got to make some changes, you know, I'm wrong, you're right, or, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that's one of the hardest things for small business owners is to understand that there is more than one way to, <laughs> to do something. And, you know, maybe if this doesn't work, we can try this way and not feel like failure is a bad thing. I think that's the other thing I would say um, is that not everything was initially 
yeah, everything's going in the right direction. It was more of there's some hiccups along the road, and I think a lot of small businesses can speak to that. Um, one of the cool things about having Eric as a business partner is that he is really positive, <laughs> way more positive than me. And, and I think it's rubbed off because there have been times where the scenarios have flipped where I'm more positive and he's more what I would call realistic. And so that's really helped with the balancing, especially now with where we are in 2000, um, in 2020, where we are literally uh, focus is to just stay the course and grow even, you know, during this crazy time. Um, and it is happening, um, but we're, you know, taking, I would say we're being really careful right now um, and, and kind of uh, trying to look ahead. But it's it's been difficult. I, I will say that the challenges this year have, have really, um, it, it's no wonder that a lot of small businesses are struggling. They really, um, you know, as much as I say, it's. I really feel thankful that I'm working with people that understand the challenges and not just kind of like close their eyes and, and, and kind of hide. So I will say that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. And I do want to add to, I talked about hiring the right people, yeah. getting the right business partner as well, right? So um, uh, I was going to ask, how do you guys complement yeah. each other? Like you, it seems like you guys complement yeah. each other very well. So that's, yes. that's, like, that's, that's a rare thing to find in, in yeah. a business partnership, right? Or in any partnership, yeah. I guess. So. Yeah, and it's like you, just, you don't want to bypass that. You want to really look at who, you, who it is you're getting in bed with to do this because um, if, if you have some issues early on, it might get worse. You want to really have a good understanding of who that person is and how you guys are going to work together and then both have a commitment to get better. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, from that aspect, because, you know, we're yin and yang, right? I mean, she's... Uh, orderly and on point and I tell bad jokes and she's good old financials and I hit backs and so you know we kind of work together that way pretty well but um, no and that we've we have always tried to find ways to get better and uh, my tip I would give again to people listening would be um, depending on how much you can give uh, so far as money if you make a mistake um, don't be afraid to make a mistake just plan that this might not work how does that impact us because we've done things like uh, advertising the San Mateo newspaper, and might, might as well have just done the money in the fireplace, right? Um, but we've done some things that worked out really, really well. Um, and uh, and yeah, and then now, as Tammy said, now we're in the COVID era. It's a combination of so many dynamics of you know counting on a certain amount of revenue, a certain amount of people to be coming to your gym. Um, all those aspects of it and trying to uh, now start to inch back to something close to that while we're still in the midst of this pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. so, um, and we can talk to more, more about that. I don't know what your particular questions might be, because uh, Tammy stepped away, uh, in relation to um, what we're doing with COVID. Um, but, you know, it's many challenges, but also a lot of learnings. Um, I guess I'll, I'll go, I'm going to go back briefly, because again, I think this is where it's okay to fail, is that if you do something that might not be on in one point really successful or good for you, there's probably a lot of other things that are good. So with Groupon, um, I think she and I went back and forth a few times. Like I thought that it was allowing us to get more members and ultimately was a huge plus for us. But more so, I said, even if you know uh, the cheap store that does nothing but get Groupons constantly, 
if he comes in and he drops a yelp or he tells his friend or maybe he comes back you know a couple years later all those things or it gets mentioned in a conversation if someone goes oh I got an impact oh yeah I've been there before um, and then you have assistants who are teaching these new people it makes the assistants better it makes the instructors better and so there's like a value in everything right totally. um, so I think it's okay to, to do little failures and look at what are all the things I'm learning you know what, what's it about what's the other values aside from the money mm-hmm. right um, so um, did you have a particular question you want to ask about how we're dealing with COVID or uh, how it relates to other things? What angle would you like to take? I'd just be curious about what your mindset was. Is you know, like in or in February, the news is getting out that the COVID has started to spread. Then, like you know, early March, first week of March, bam, there's a shutdown. And so, what was yeah. going through your mind at the time? Like that was a very scary time. Like people, I mean, it was just a couple months ago, but people don't realize like. Yeah. I mean, you go into the grocery stores, there was nothing there. So there was really, there was yeah. such a heightened fear. So what was it like as a gym owner going through that incredible emotional roller coaster? Yeah, it's, you know, because here's the thing. I, I, I don't think I've complained about this situation at all because everybody is going through something. Totally. And there's a variety of levels of drama and stress that people are going through, financial or emotional. And, uh, and so... Um, Nonetheless, we still have a gym, and unless we still have a life that I'm trying to manage well, I have a, um, a year and a half old little girl, and she's amazing and a uh, wonderful wife, and things are pretty good here at home. Uh, but we still have to make a lot of adjustments and deal with what this new life is going to be like here. Um, but then also, a complete shutdown of a gym, as you know, like a restaurant, is catastrophic because that is your revenue. And so, um, you know, I, want to, I, I try to look at it long form with Tammy. As I said, you know, um, we were aware that other kickboxing gyms were just continuing to charge all their members. And I didn't think that that was appropriate uh, because, you know, the people, like, what, you're still charging me? You guys are closed, right? Um, that instead, we froze everybody immediately and let them know. What we did say, though, was if you want to give us donations on PayPal or you want to unfreeze to help us out, great. Shortly after that, it just took a little time to get organized, we started a whole slew of Zoom classes with our instructors. And, um, and that was an opportunity for people to either jump back in for a reduced price because, again, don't want to be greedy. Are we worth you know, $140 a month for Zoom classes? I mean, debatable, so I don't want to charge people that. So, but still have a way to engage them and to make revenue of some sort and also allow our instructors to keep teaching who – enjoy it because only a couple of them actually do it for a living most of them do it for fun and so they enjoy it um and then uh and then as we were able to open up and then close and open up um that uh we made sure that we had an environment that was super super safe um even more so than all the requirements that we have we have more space between people we have um huge roll doors lots of air everyone has to wear masks the whole time there's all these things protocol that we go through um, mats on the floor, cleaning the bags, and um, so that our members would know that we're not just trying to open up and make money. We want to open up and make you feel safe, and when you're ready, come back. And so uh, that has allowed us to um, unfreeze a few more people and help us out. Um, it's still, I would assume like most everybody, you're just kind of losing money, and you're just hoping that you will not lose too much money over too much time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the upside is that the Zoom classes have 
taught us a whole new revenue stream uh, for both our instructors and our business that's not going to go away. We're going to keep it. I have a wonderful member that uh, moved to Colorado right before COVID. And she's like, oh, I wish you guys had online classes. And, you know, we had too much stuff going on. And at that point, I'm like, ah, you know, maybe someday. Now she has it. She's thrilled. And it makes sense that all these other members have gone to, to Virginia, to New York, and they're all taking our classes still. So it's like, yeah, it makes sense. Especially, I mean, this is 2020 and not 2000. So obviously, there's a lot of online um, opportunities for fitness, mm -hmm. right? And so it's, it's time for us to jump into that. And then I would expect that once things are going even better, we'll find more ways for, you know, kind of personal training on Zoom and specialized training uh, as things like that. Um, it's not just the kickboxing side. It's all the aerial stuff, too, is that they need to be conditioned. And so they didn't want to be idle. And so Tammy engaged a lot of those instructors to then um, teach various conditioning and stretching classes and, and head, handstand classes and all these other things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all, all successful, you know, I mean, all, all on the plus side, right? Um, and then now, I guess, to where we are now, it's really a matter of um, how is all this going to go? Now, um, Tammy's talking about it to me, the, the positive versus negative, optimist versus pessimist between the two of us kind of shifting a little bit. I've been more of a realist lately, but I'm also not a quitter. But I look at all these challenges that are things that I we need to get around. So, for example, Google and Facebook, because you're in Sunnyvale, so you know it's near you. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they're closed down until at least July of next year. And that's a lot of traffic that, that already was coming to Impact and that could potentially join Impact. They're, if they don't live in the area, they're not going to come to us, right? Um, Similarly, I think that as creatures of habit, although it was a shock for many people at first, a lot of people have gotten into a routine. Some people, some people will go on their um, uh, exercise bike in their garage or they'll go running or whatever, and maybe impact's not so important to them at the moment. Um, and then you have people that are afraid to come back because there's so much fear going on, right? Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of, and, and finances. So, a lot of people are either worried about their jobs or losing their jobs, and so they're not going to jump back in and want to take a kickboxing class for a premium, right? So there's a lot of things for us to overcome, uh, but I, I was talking, I don't know if Tammy was there when I mentioned it, but uh, we had one of our biggest classes the other day, and I said, wow, it's kind of feeling like when you first started, and we're building up from the ground up, because it was like half the people were existing members, and half of them were new people that have signed up in the last three to six weeks or whatever. Um, and uh, and so we're building back up with a lot of the same kind of uh, techniques and effort that we had before. So I am optimist, optimistic that we're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a matter of um, how bumpy will that road be before we get you know the vaccines and everything else and mindsets and places open up and yada, yada, as well as hopefully, uh, again, making that Zoom uh, part of our business even more successful. Um, Tammy and I have some plans somebody worked with before that helped us boost right before, it just was like the month before the pandemic, right? Um, the January, boost, February. Yeah. A lot of people came in, uh, old members, and uh, it was uh, actually, uh, shoot, I I don't remember her um, 
info here, but I want to give you Liza's info later if you want to share it, maybe uh, on your, wherever you post this stuff. Okay. Uh, she's great. And um, basically she will reach out to former members of yours through a text-based campaign that you kind of strategize with her, what the incentive is, and then how you, and then you also create how you find them up. And uh, it worked really well. And so I want to do something similar to that with Zoom and some other stuff, um, as well as just some other efforts. But um, this is where we just got to kind of think, almost like we're starting all over again. We have to be um, strategic and um, put the effort in to build back up. Yeah. And I, and I was just thinking, um, sorry, I, I'm also taking care of my son at school. Long story short, it's, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, you mentioned your business, right? That's kind of similar to ClassPass, mm -hmm. you said? Mm -hmm. Is that correct? So one of the things that is great is we're, ClassPass has changed the model since then, but when we initially joined, they allowed us to basically provide the number of spots for each class. So we, we allowed folks to try some of the most popular classes, but we did not open it all the way up because we wanted to, one, make sure that we have enough spots for our clients. And two, we didn't want people to just stay on ClassPass and not move over to uh, our membership. Totally. Well, ClassPass, I think most, a lot of gyms actually lose money on ClassPass. Like, uh, um, it really depends on, yeah, I think it depends on how many spots you have. So, for example, if Eric and I didn't have a big studio, and this is, of course, pre-COVID, yeah. um, filling those extra spots really is actually not a bad revenue because you would have lost that money anyway. Mm -hmm. However, if I always have 100% uh, people coming, you know, people paying people to come to my classes, I am not going to give you a class class spot. That's just not going to work. So I think it depends on, like right now with COVID, I don't know if we've opened up any of our, our classes to class class except for a live stream. And I think um, it depends, and, and I don't offer class class to anyone for Ariel because Ariel is a small group situation, and I've never done that. And a lot of people just like, well, you know, you should offer that. And I said, you know what, I have so many people wanting to do it, and they pay full price that I would never do that in a class pass situation. So I think it really depends on how you offer it to gyms. And I would say that, you know, if you want to look at a business model, this is completely um, something that you might want to look into. Look into something called movie phone. Movie phone was in the heyday, you basically used a telephone call and reserve movie uh, tickets um, on the phone. Yeah. And then of course, you know, the internet came. And so what, what you didn't realize is because I used to work for them, so I know one of the primary reasons why MoviePhone ultimately did not become as successful. It was successful in it that we got sold to AOL, okay? And all the people that started MoviePhone got rich off of it. Um, but if you know what happened to MoviePhone, it actually is no longer, I don't think it actually even exists anymore. And the reason is, the theaters got very upset. So initially when MoviePhone started, they had built a relationship with all the studio owners, all the, all the movie theater people. Mm -hmm. The movie theater people gave them access to their reservation systems to help them sell tickets. And everybody got share. And when and MoviePhone sold, uh, 
the theaters didn't get any of that money. And they got very upset. And then because that was at the advent of the internet, everybody just killed all the deals and started building their own uh, 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 ticket systems, mm-hmm. which is how Fandango came to be. Okay. Okay. And Fandango's doing great. And the reason why Fandango's doing great is because it's supported by theaters. So that's something that you might want to think about when you're thinking about doing something like this is because you don't want to make everybody mad, totally. <laughs> so to speak. Totally. <laughs> um, if there was a way where your business model could work, and that's just, just me thinking out loud, is if you could help the, the small small studios. I think, I think the small studios could use a lot of help, and we're a part of that. A lot of small businesses... Um, will survive because a lot of people really care about the small business. It's part of the community, part of the climate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, that's something to consider when you're thinking about building a business working with studios, is that if you could figure out a way to, that everybody wins, of course, it's a, it's a, it's better. Because if, if that's one of the things that class pass will eventually have to deal with, like what happened with COVID is, well, eventually, we're not going to give you all the spots because we're required to, to operate at a much smaller capacity. Mm-hmm. And so we won't be able to uh, work with class pass um, as well. Totally. Well, so that's something that to consider. Oh, I'd love to, I would love to at a different time, if you guys would want to share you guys about what our business model is, because it does take into account the small people in it. And it's a very unique business model compared to what class pass has. But uh, this, this is about you guys. So. Um, awesome. So, where, where I, I we kind of went off on a tangent there. I kind of forgot where we were. Um, COVID. So you guys, uh, you guys have transitioned mainly online. This is something that I actually think is going to be like you, you guys see it's a part of your strategy. You know, it will be a part of your strategy even after the pandemic. I think that's going to be the case for every gym. Every gym is going to have to have some sort of hybrid solution where they, you know, they have their in class in studio workout, um, and then they have their, uh, you know, then they have live stream to their their network of of. Uh, people around the world so it's good to see that you guys have, have started building that audience already that's pretty cool yeah it's a bit of a silver lining for us right that it made us just like when I had the falling out with the dojo instructor it made me start it back and then because of COVID it made us do Zoom and believe me I would much rather never have Zoom and not have COVID <laughs> but at least this is a plus side to, to that right well, sometimes change is painful. So, well, I mean, it's been over an hour. I don't want to take too much of your guys' time, um, but I'd love for you guys to share any, you know, any uh, words of wisdom to people out there who are maybe struggling and you know are trying to figure out how to, how to get through this as a gym owner, um, or you know, or just in general, anybody who is, is struggling as a person. Yeah, I, the only thing I would say, Tammy, is. Um, you know, it's a fine line, and this goes back to the part I was telling you about some gyms that didn't freeze people, and people would have to ask to be, I'm sorry, they didn't freeze people, and they just kept charging them even though they're closed. Um, some gyms would say, we really need you, please just keep paying, and that might just be the case. And so I think in some in some cases it made sense as long as they were really clear as to why. They were, and then if you have a really good community who does really support you wants you to be around, I would probably lean into that a little bit. Um, everything from join our Zoom classes to 
um, unfreeze to um, come back or drop some money in the donations in our PayPal. Like, I think that's a way to kind of do that. And then my other tip would be to just keep looking at where you are and what the opportunities, you know, are for, for growth. Because I think Tammy and I probably, as, as early as next month, we may try and really push for the Zoom part of our business to grow, right? Because we, we need to say, okay, well, people are not getting vaccinated shots in the arm next week, so we still need to keep our Zoom strong. And so um, look at where you are and try to make the most of it. Tammy? Uh, yeah, I think that's, I think also, um, I think you have to be really realistic. Um, and I think one of the great things is because everybody's in the same boat, um, the most important thing in my opinion is to communicate because a lot of people don't realize how, you know, how dire some situations can be. Um, and I think communicating honestly. So the fact that we cared about our clients, we took care of them by freezing and they, a lot of them took care of us when they realized that this was going to be a longer experience by unfreezing, by donating. I think the, I think it's communication across the board. Um, and, and what we're seeing is it's kind of like the fires that are going on right now. Mm -hmm. When people see that there's a need, and they understand why there's a need. Uh, people do come out and they do care. And I think we also, as business owners, need to be responsible for that care in the sense that when, and, and you know, Eric and I love talking about this, when this is over or when we have kind of uh, climbed over this challenge, how do we care about each other some more by, you know, kind of not just business as usual, but how do we continue to build the community, the local community, to say, you know what, this is a place where we care about our folks, and we care about what happens to you beyond the four walls. You know, yeah, you come out and work with us, but they become a community. So I was, you know, share with you one last little story. We have a client who, unfortunately, might be losing their home, and, you know, not just myself or Eric, but a lot of our community members just rallied around her. We're, we're not really sure what to do at this point but I think it's just the caringness of building that community that that's so important beyond just owning a business I think that's why small businesses need to exist because mm -hmm. we're here to basically spread caring and love in a community especially when bad things like this happen to the you know, to the whole community and I think that that's why uh, it's really important that we have as many small businesses survive this as possible because these are the people that are living in this neighborhood and knows and you know cares about the fact that you lost your house or you might be losing your house or you just had a baby and how can we care and take care of each other? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the kind of the wider scope of, of a small business is, is that caring uh, locally, um, knowing everybody's name, knowing you know people people's lives. Totally. In that way, yeah. Well, it seems like I mean, that's the, the community you guys have built in your four walls is super unique, and I'm sure that makes it, you know, it's been a huge part of your success for the the incredible community that you made. So, absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Tammy and Eric. Um, My pleasure. Alex.